Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. Hello, Persis. Hello. Hello, Sarah, or should I say, Justin, Lance, JC. Oh, what are the other two? What are the other two? To be honest with you, I have no idea. Oh, I'm sorry. I only really care about the main three. (sighs) Sorry about that, guys. I'm wearing an NSYNC Bye 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 t-shirt that um, Persis gifted to me for my birthday. Like the awesome girlfriend she is. I just had to do it. I'm sorry. I saw it in the store and it's just single art for bye bye bye. So I was like, I'm picking this up. It's so good. And then Persis is wearing an Aaliyah tee. We're very 90s. We're very vintage. Yeah, we're pretty cute. I'm not going to lie. We coordinated for this conversation. Yeah, we really did. And listen, I love me some Aaliyah. That's right. Kids, if you're listening and you don't know Aaliyah, Dig into the archive. It's good. And if you don't know InSync, I mean, dig into the archive, I guess. Like, I don't really know what to say to that. Like, it's InSync. You know what song I used to love by InSync? Which one? <laughs> it was called Gone. Okay. How did it go? Gone. Gone. It was so. It was... <laughs> Is Sorry. that a song or is it just the word gone over and over? I remember I loved the video. Gone. Second single off of their third studio album, Celebrity. Oh, just watch the music video for it. It was like black and white and JT had his like buzz cut. He looked really cute. And I, I was like so into that uh, song. It was like emotional. I don't even know if I know it. You should play it right here so that everyone can get a taste. <laughs> I'm going into, the, going into a deep cut. Maybe people won't realize what Gone was and then they'll hear it and be like, oh yeah. I love that. We're all about the deep cuts. You know what, Sarah? You know what else we're really into? What else are we really into? <laughs> we're into not only are we are we into the deep cuts, we're into the deep talks. And oh. we're also into sex talk. Oh. <laughs> you know, I appreciate the segue. It did, you know, go from zero to a hundred. Gone. (laughs) To your earlier point, Perth, we we love to talk about sex and we talk about it quite a bit on this pod, but we don't always, you know, get deep and down and dirty about it. 
And today we are, because we are talking to an incredible queer sex researcher and educator named Eva Bloom. And we just wanted to learn, like, what are the pillars of amazing sex, safe queer sex, how to keep it spicy if you're in an LDR relationship. We also talked about compulsory heterosexuality. So we didn't hold back in this conversation. Like, I find that it was very valuable and I learned so much from Eva. Yes, and as is a pattern on this podcast, so did I. As a straight woman, I learned quite a bit. And so this conversation is for everyone. Queer sex education is for everyone. And sex ed in general is definitely for everyone. And so we really hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. You can follow Eva at What's My Body Doing. They have a YouTube channel under the same name. They have a ton of different resources on their website, evabloom.ca. And they even have an event coming up. So we talk about all of that in the episode and we'll put it all in the show notes for you guys. It's a great way. Connecting with people like Eva on the internet is a really amazing way to explore your sexuality and give yourself all the pleasure you deserve. Mm -hmm. Because you, listening to this right now, you deserve a lot of pleasure. Honestly, I completely agree. And I feel like we don't always give ourselves that self-pleasure that even Eva was talking about, which I'm so excited for you guys to like hear what they say, because I think I'm going to do that when we log off on our recording. So listeners, I'm going to let you, you know, take that information. I like to leave you with a little spice. Um, oof. Oof. So many like spice. Yeah, exactly. <gasps> Is anyone going to know what you're talking about? You know what? They might not. Guys, I just said so me like it spice. Just look it up. So me like it spice. That is what I'm talking about. Okay. That's right. No explanation necessary. Just Google it. Exactly. Yes. But that's what I'm going to do when I log off. And I just wanted to thank Eva from the bottom of my heart and Sarah's heart because I'm speaking for her. Um, As always. We absolutely loved having you on the podcast and we're so excited that you are continuing to educate the youth um, on queer sex ed because God knows we need it. That's right. Thank you, Eva. You're the best. Thank you, listeners. We love you so much. Thank you for letting us take a week off last week and rest and recover. Thank you. And it feels so good to be back. And we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up. So yeah, we love you guys. I love when we talk about queer sex because a lot of straight listeners are like, didn't know that, didn't know that. This is important for me to know for my own sexuality. Like, it's so key. Happy to happy to educate the gays and the straights alike about sex. Yes, please, because we needed set like queer sex ed in school. Like, it still boggles my mind that we we didn't. Yeah, 100% left to fend for ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> like you like using the internet like Googling, like, you know, and we've talked about this before that can also lead you to some information that might not be like the most accurate. So we're really excited. And thank you for taking the time. Of course. I'm so excited. I was just listening to your interview with Allie a little bit beforehand. Nice. Yes. We love Allie. We love her so much. So to start off, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself for any listeners who don't know who you are? Who are you, Eva? 
For sure. Um, I'm Eva Bloom. I use they, she pronouns. I'm a queer sexuality educator and sex science communicator, which means that I use my master's of science that I got studying sexting um, to bring <laughs> queer sex ed to the people and bust sexual shame. Yes. I just I love that. that tidbit, Wait. really. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean about – sorry, can you – Like, <laughs> did we hear that right? Sexting? Like, like, is this how it all Was started? that your thesis? Yeah, yeah. That we have some me. things to talk about. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Um, yeah, my master's thesis supervisor was the best ever, and she – when we were, like, brainstorming it, she's like, yeah, let me know, like, what topics you want. And I was like, sexting? She's like, any other – options I'm like no 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 I'm pretty this is what I want to do <laughs> fuck yeah I, I love that. approve of this message right. and you know what because I feel like there's um like people don't really talk that openly about sexting too there's like always this weird shame around it when there shouldn't be yeah but it's always taught to be this like hush hush thing yeah, especially I feel like maybe for our generation, like with the like level that technology was at when we were in like a coming of age moment, it was very much like, do not do the sexting, like danger, danger, danger. Like, I feel right. like a lot of people I talk to have like one person at their high school maybe had a really bad experience with sexting and like that's like ingrained in the memory. But yeah, I had a whole yeah. like, it was very trippy going for COVID and like, suddenly seeing all the messages shift to like 15 ways you can spice up sexting and like public health departments being like sexting is good for public health I'm like right I've been trying to say this <laughs> you're like I've been saying this <laughs> and especially for women or people who are assigned female at birth like I think that message especially hit home growing up of like don't sext because whatever they're gonna take photos and splash them all over the internet or like it's like filled with shame filled with like it's too sexual you can't be that sexual and I don't think men got that same message that was my feeling in high school especially yeah so victim blamey like it's you like really yeah the burden on like women and non-binary and trans people that like it's your fault if you express your sexuality and like, yeah. we're not, there's not actually going to be any repercussions for the people who like perpetrate this kind of like digital sexual violence. Um, but like, it's right. your responsibility too. Yeah. Totally. It really is like the overlap of like, there's so much shame around sex already mm -hmm. and like casual sex and like sexting. It really like, is really like a culmination of all these things that like we're not supposed to do or really shame for. And we're going to talk about shame because that's such a huge part of this conversation. But first, we kind of just want to know a little bit more about you. First off, can you tell us what your sign is? <laughs> oh, your my gosh. Sign? Yes. I, I feel a little bit of um, – oh, also, can I, can I swear? I swore. I was like – Yes. Know? Always, yes. All good. Okay. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Scorpio. <gasps> Ooh. To be a <laughs> Do you feel like you're a Scorpio? Um, I do feel like I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> You're like, I love that. She's got an emotional side. She's got it. She's passionate. Actually, that, that makes so much sense. Scorpios are very in tune with their sex lives and their sexuality. They're very right. uh, sensual sign. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. The intensity. That's why Persis is a Scorpio moon. 
I was gonna say we get into the big three, but yeah, I feel also like very like intense, passionate, I resonate with. I'm also an Aquarius rising, which I feel like is like Aquarius is I always say like the, the jughead quote from Riverdale where it's like I like wear this hat all the time. I'm weird. Like just like being comfortable like in the weird and taboo. Like right. I've always been like, it's kind of a little bit fun to like let's talk about sex because maybe people don't want to talk about sex. Let's have that conversation. Yes. I love that. I love when people like really align with their astrology. (laughs) That's why we like to ask. Yeah. Can I also just say Eva has the cutest laugh? Like it's the best. I love it so much. I've already noticed that. I hope we get even more of it throughout the episode. We have to say some really funny stuff, Purse. We're not very funny though, Sarah, so. I know. What are we going to do? That's not true. There's going to be so much laughter. <laughs> I'm also like a pretty giggly person. I think so is Purse. So this might oh, just be sure. like three-way giggles for an yes. hour. Yes. <laughs> Apologies in advance to the listeners. Just like us giggling. <laughs> I mean, you're going to talk about sex. You got to have a little bit of giggles. That's how That's it right. goes. Exactly. This is a queer pod. So we always like to ask... Was there a moment you realized you might be queer? Like some people might call it an aha moment or just like a moment of clarity. What was that like? Yeah, I have a pretty clear aha moment. Um, There's like a long story and I've like told it like it's very involved. So I'll give like the brief version. But basically I had this girl fly in from Finland to go to a sex conference with me (laughs) and we got an Airbnb (laughs) on the weekend and stuff happened and it wasn't until the last day of the conference after stuff had happened in this Airbnb and we had been like texting and sexting for months I was still like I'm straight it gets to the last day of the conference (laughs) (laughs) jumping everybody right in on the last day of the conference I'm realizing like She's going to have to go back to Finland soon. And I feel like in the pit of my stomach, I'm like, oh, like this like dropping sensation. I'm like, I think I have like real like romantic feelings towards her. I was like, fuck, I think I might be. I think I can't (gasps) deny this anymore. Wait, (gasps) one question. So you said you guys had been texting and sexting for months? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So like during that time when you were like sexting, were did it click then or were you kind of like, oh, I'm just feeling this type of connection with her and so I'm not, is- yeah. <laughs> so, I love this. Yeah. So we actually connected initially because I saw a picture of her in a bikini on Twitter and I slid into her DM yes. being like, can I flirt with you? So, so the level of repression for me to not think that this was gay was from the very beginning. Oh, wow. I did have a conversation with one of my, I don't know why I picked one of my straightest friends in the world. I remember during the sexting being like, I might, might be gay. And she was like, live your life, man. Could be I gay. love that. Could not be gay. And I was like, thank you. But in respect, retrospect, not helpful. Maybe could have used a little bit of, of, of gay reality check. But It was in your mind. You were talking about it, thinking about it a little. Yeah. But also, I mean, as we're going to talk about later in this conversation, compulsory heterosexuality. Totally. Right? Like, that must yeah. have been a huge part of it. Yeah. I had identified... No, this is even this is even before 
this is me getting to identifying as bi. Um, I think it was so much like, yeah, like I've been in relationships with men, like, um, yeah, I was like, oh, I might have like some like butterfly feelings about women, like we're doing like a sexting thing. But yeah, the compact was very much like, it's not real mm -hmm. until it's like romantic. It is interesting that you were physically like expressing that with her and still in that moment, you weren't necessarily like, okay, shit's real now. I, I definitely have to consider my identity. Yeah. You were like, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. First Just having some fun. Yeah. First person ever to give me an orgasm. I'm like, not as real as my relationship with men. Right. That's always the story though. Well, not always, but it's very common. I feel like that's common because I feel like I even had this combo with Sarah. The first time I had ever slept with a woman, I literally came like four times throughout that moment. And that was the first time I'd ever experienced anything like that. But I still didn't think it was a big deal or I was like, was that sex? Like, what was that? But it was like truly mm. an incredible experience. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I think yeah, it was, was that sex? Oh. What an interesting question. Yeah. You <laughs> orgasmed four times and you were like, was that sex? <laughs> that is mark? That is so a testament to like the level of cishet propaganda that they're like, you can have an orgasm four times, but like, was there a dick though? Yeah. I mean, there can be a dick in queer sex, but like, was there a PIV penetration with a cishet man? Yeah. Otherwise, mm, maybe you're just gals being pals. Hey. Yeah, gals being pals, like just messing around. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So how do you identify today? Yeah, Um. I... Okay, after that happened almost immediately, I, I got home from the conference and my mom was like, did anything interesting happen? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, there's this girl. I like came out to her. Oh, uh, yeah. right away. That's so great. Yeah. Her reaction was not great, but mm, that I'm is, sorry. it's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. And I was like, I identified as bi for three years and then I came out as non-binary and a lesbian in the past November. So I've been out of this week for just a couple months now. Yes, congrats. Thank you. <laughs> we love a, tra a trans transformational time. I don't know if you, Purse, have you um, told Eva about like identifying as bi and then coming out as gay? I don't know. Like I, the journey? Like so for pod listeners, Eva and I have actually met a couple, or no, actually only once in person because the first time was over Zoom. Um, I but was I a think floating I, head on a Zoom room. <laughs> you were floating head. Hello. Um, I don't think I told you this, but I yeah, I identified as bi for many years, like since I was eighteen, and then I came out as gay um, at twenty five. So it's been a year for me. But yeah, that was a definitely like very important time in my life to do the discovery and slowly just start to realize that my feelings for men just like were not the same when it came to women. And it kind of helped me like think about the differences between romantic attraction, sexual attraction, or emotions and stuff, because I always felt it had to be like one thing, but really it can be separate. So identifying as gay just feels right to me um, because I really only have like sexual attraction and romantic feelings for women. But I also feel like I can have romantic feelings for men. I just don't want to have sex with them. So that's why I was always really confused. Yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate that, like, conversation about, like, expansiveness and, like, fluidity of identity and also that, like, you get to pick 
when it comes down to it, you mm-hmm. get to pick which label feels like home. Like I have so many, there are many male celebrities that I'm like, they're so cute. But in real life, like I have not met a man probably since in a long time that I'm like, ooh, <laughs> let's. Yeah. See. Yeah. Like, like, let's hook fine. up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I want to date you. Yeah. I'm like, that is okay. That can be my lesbian identity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and I feel like I keep saying this, we're going to dive into this, but labels, I mean, like you can have them or you can not have them at all. Like it, you, like, and like you said, fluidity is part of this conversation. It's just like, what do you, what makes you feel most comfortable and empowered? And maybe that doesn't include a label at all in, in a lot of people's um, situations. Totally. Yeah. It's true. So you came out to your mom right away. Did what other type, like, did you come out to more people after that? Was it kind of like a snowball effect? Yeah, I came out. My sister was also there and she was like, oh my gosh, I love you. Um, Yeah, she's the best. Um, And then a week later, I had like had like a a small YouTube channel initially um, before going to the conference. Yeah, and I like came out on the YouTube channel like a week later being like, oh my God, I I want to find that video. Uh, yeah, I can, I can send it to you. <laughs> we yeah. should like play a little clip from it here, Purse. That'd be awesome. I'll do that. Drop the clip. Yes. Hi, my name's Eva, and welcome to this channel. So here's the situation. I am currently in the process of figuring out my sexuality and my sexual orientation. I recently went to a conference and met a really amazing girl, and I like her a whole bunch, but I'm not ready to make a video. I thought that this week I would bust some myths about bisexuality that I have been grappling with in my brain recently. Oh my gosh. I was still too nervous to like say the words like I am bisexual, but I was Mm. like attraction to more than one gender. (laughs) (laughs) For me. (laughs) Nervous laughter. The gay panic sets in. (laughs) Literally. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I think it was like not to be like so cheesy but like this experience is with this one girl was just like so like transformative and like loving I was like we cannot we cannot deny I am forever changed oh that's so beautiful does she does she know that like have you ever told her you were kind of my awakening I guess yeah I've also told I'm so I guess I guess being a professional gay person, you tell your coming out story kind of in interviews and podcasts and I'll like send them to her and she's she's the sweetest. She's like, I'm so honored, like whenever I do an interview about it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, do you think like anything might ever transpire? <laughs> Trying to make things happen here. <laughs> no, she literally does live in Finland and like has a partner oh, okay um, okay but yeah she's really beautiful if you're listening to this podcast you're the best <laughs> oh we love you if you're listening thank you for everything you've done for eva and for I us think it's, for it is kind of beautiful to look at like those people who have kind of helped shape your journey you mm-hmm. know so she'll always be someone to you in that way which i think is like very very beautiful exactly oh and I feel like every queer person we've talked to has had that someone. I mean, including Persis. We talk about this all the time. But one person may be more than the others who, like, changed things a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. <laughs> okay, so 
sex ed, when you were growing up, what was your sex ed experience like? The most vivid memory I have of my sex ed is of my gym teacher being away to do sports things. So we had a supply teacher and they handed out like a diagram of the penis to fill in. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I remember and being like, okay, that is a penis diagram that I'm going to fill out. <laughs> Love it. Penises all the way. Yeah. Where, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Toronto. I remember in high school, though, just starting to do my own, like, nerd on the internet, which, yeah, we talked about a lot of people learn about sex on the internet. I was obsessed with One Girl, Five Gays, the MTV show. Us too. We loved so it. We. Oh, my God. Loved we loved it. it. Love Aaliyah Jasmine. She was, like, literally my everything when I was in high school. I was, like, obsessed with her, and I still am obsessed with her. And it was such a groundbreaking show. Like, I feel bad for any non-Canadians who didn't get to just have that on their TVs at 10 o'clock at night on MTV. Like, it was so informative. Literally. Yeah, I remember going to my first Pride at, like, 16 and seeing them all there and be like, I want to go say hi. But being like, I don't know what I would say. I'm, like, way not out. I would just be like... Uh. I'm, I just really like your show. But I love you. I know. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, even, like, not being out, there was – I think it's very cool that, like, one of my biggest, like, sex ed, like, influences from the beginning was, like, specifically, like, queer sex ed, too. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Because, like, what did we even learn in our sex ed classes? Like, I remember getting the diagram of a penis and a vagina, and you just, like, label it. Mm-hmm. I don't even think we like we did learn about safe sex and stuff but it, I, I feel like I blacked out sex ed from my high school curriculum and m- most of the safe sex was everything like you said Eva just felt so focused on the penis like safe sex equals here's how to put on a condom right or take birth control which is to stop semen from the penis t- from getting where it needs to go and also it was also like anatomical and i we didn't dive into the emotional side of sex or self-pleasure or pleasure in general and why that why people have sex sure having babies but that's not the reason why most people are having sex so we it was all about like here's what a vagina looks like here's what a penis looks like penis goes into vagina but a bing but a boom and just pretend uh stay away from STIs. So this is how you protect yourself. But they didn't talk about how queer women, like two people with a vulva should be protecting themselves during sex. Like I had no idea what a dental dam was. I didn't know gloves were a thing. Like when I was a baby gay having sex with women, your girl did not know any of that. (laughs) I thought a dental dam was something you put on your like mouth, like at the dentist. Like that's literally what I thought. I was like, why wasn't I taught this? No, many times it has happened to me as a queer sex educator being like, hey, I'm going to fuck. Let's use dental lamps. And the other person's like, say what now? Yeah. We're going to use what? <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> a little lesson. Get out <laughs> the little dental dams. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think. I definitely had like penis, what is it, condom on a banana. I also had a thing about like, if you start having sex, you're going to want it and how to like, 
Yeah. Oh, what do you mean? Kind of like a, like a don't go too far because you don't want to get pregnant situation. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. Like you'll get pregnant and die. And don't have sex standing up. Yeah, don't have sex standing up. I remember watching Mean Girls with my mom because I loved Lindsay Lohan and I thought it was going to be like Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. And as soon as they said, don't have sex standing up, my mom like turned off the TV. She was like, you can, you can not hear this. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. I don't know if you remember that. But I remember it vividly being like, oh, no, was that bad? I'm so embarrassed, you know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we were kind of young when Mean Girls came out. Like I was only nine years old. Yeah, I was 10. It maybe was a little young for Mean Girls, in all fairness, but (laughs) I was so embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, even the stuff around, like, STIs, like, even now, like, I think, like, it's not the helpful information. It's, like, here's not, like, how to get STI tested, how to Mm -hmm. talk about STI status with a partner, the fact that, like, herpes and HPV are super fucking common, and don't be a dick to people who have herpes. Because it's really fucking common. You can still have great sex if you have herpes. Mm-hmm. Like, that is yeah. not, even when I do talk about STIs, that's not the stuff that they're talking about. At least in my experience. On, There's such a stigma. Yeah, in sex ed. It was like, here are these really scary photos of what's going to happen to your genitals, which is not at all, like, actionable information to help you protect yourself. I right. actually, I had a memory of that in grade seven. They were like, there was this whole section on, like, STIs, and I remember getting so scared. Like, it scared me like the way they talked about what could happen to your genitals. And I remember I was like almost in tears because I thought that was going to like happen to me. I was 12. Oh, <laughs> purse. That's actually sad. I remember yeah. that because they like ingrained it in us about like what, what the effects of it could be, you know? So, yeah. Well, and also going to a Catholic school, right? I think that sex ed in the Catholic school system is based around abstinence, even if they are teaching you about safe sex. Like, they're showing you these scary pictures for the effect that it clearly had on you. Like, you should be scared of sex and what it can do. Did you go to Catholic school, Eva, or public school? No, I went to public school. But yeah, I've like, I like TA'd a human sexuality class. And like, most of the people of my students there would be like, like, yeah, I was in in, in Catholic school. What is it? What's the book? The Living Alive? Fully Alive. Fully Fully alive. Alive. They were like... We we read fully alive and that's it. And I'm like, what's oh. that? What's fully alive? It was the funniest book ever. It was just about like sexuality and like humans, like humans just living their lives. But it was very very like faith based. So I remember it would show people like touching or holding hands and pregnancy and birth. But it was just a little booklet, and each year it would be like a little more. Like it would dive into more about like sexuality. Yeah. Cause I had fully alive when I was in grade three, but I think it was more about like religion. I actually don't remember, but fully alive like sticks out in my mind. Yeah. Why do you think it was called fully alive? Not to derail us. I'm just curious. Ooh. Cause I'm like, oh, what? They're saying like you're fully alive when you're sexually active or something. You know what I mean? When you're married and popping the babies out. I feel like it was more about like connecting with humans. It was all about like the human experience. So I think it was more just about like connecting, falling in love, getting married. It was very hetero. Like the whole book was very hetero, but it was all about like falling in love with like your man. (laughs) Under the eyes of God and in love and yeah. 
Yeah. Like uh, there was like images oh of these, like people like moving into their house and having a child. It like showed the steps. Interesting. I would love if you had that somewhere purse to see it one day. I wish I did. I, I don't. Oh my gosh. But you're like, I tossed that shit out. I burned it. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I can do a call it on my Instagram. Has anybody kept this shit around? Yeah. <laughs> Just to see, like, and it, as a researcher, too, it's always interesting to see, like, historically, what, what have we been taught? Yeah. Right? I have a book that my mom, my mom did give me a book um, where she was like, oh, I think sex things might happen for my child soon. Here's a book. Don't talk to me about it. But I never opened it because I was like, oh, I don't want my mom, no, give me this book. <laughs> Lame. So I kind of want to look at it and be like, if I did read it, like, what would I have learned? Oh, True. Oh, I really want to know what was in it. My parents didn't give me a book. Guys, if you're listening, give where was my Kama, book? The Kama Sutra. Hand it over, all the sex positions. I feel like that's what your mom would have given you a purse. Oh, yeah, probably. I thought you were like, what you were like, saying. I was like, what? <laughs> Renny is very, like, liberal. I, read. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't think my mom would give me the Kama Sutra. <laughs> I don't think she would. She's going to come at me right now. <laughs> Renny listens. She'll tell us. She'll tell us. <laughs> okay, so you have a super successful YouTube channel. And when did you start? Started it in 2016? Yeah. Yeah. So how old were you in 2016? Well, you don't have to share your age, sorry. But like, were you in your, were you like pretty young when you started it? Yeah, it was the summer before my last year of undergrad, I think. And I was like, okay, cool. yeah, I like realized what sex research was. I was like starting to volunteer like on campus. And I was like, okay. So I like grew up on like One Girl, Five Gays and like sex ed on YouTube. I'm like, why not me? Let's do it. Let's have yes. a little YouTube camera. I love that mentality. Why not me? That's mm-hmm. dope. <laughs> and it took off. So the channel's called What's My Body Doing? And you still run it today. Like it's, it's long lasting and you speak really candidly about sex. I mean, you're a sex ed researcher. Of course, you're going to speak candidly about it, but that's a little bit of like a scary thing, especially to do on the internet. And I always say this about Persis's coming out story. She came out in her personal life, but she also came out in the internet um, multiple times. And I just think that's so brave and it's almost like impossible to wrap my head around how I could like be so open on a public forum. I mean, maybe before this podcast, because now I I am, but how did you kind of like navigate that, that aspect of like speaking so candidly about sex on the internet? Like, were you ever nervous or a little bit apprehensive? Yeah. Um, I don't think I ever was <laughs> nervous. Um, I don't know. I, I'm i trying to think about it. I, I don't know. I also like, I'm, I feel like the way in which I started my YouTube channel, I did have, I had the same kind of mentality as when I started like the Gay Straight Alliance at my high school. I just like found out that another friend who was at like an art school in Toronto, like they had a GSA and I was like, great. Okay. We need a GSA. And I like put up posters of like gay celebrities around the schools. Like I was really like, like no holds bar. Like why? Like in my, in my head, in my heart, I was like, absolutely no fucking reason to be weird about this. 
nobody should ever give me shit. I'm just doing this thing. Yeah. Um, and I feel, I kind of went about my YouTube channel like that too. I mean, I was really lucky to have friends be like, yes, like you're doing such a cool thing. Um, but I'm sure they were probably also like, wow, they're really, they're really going for it. They're really <laughs> doing a, a whole YouTube channel. And I was like, I can that's incredible though. Like that, that, I think that's like a, something that's ingrained in you, you know, like, do you feel like you learn to have that kind of like, what's the word? I don't even want to say courage or bravery. Cause that's not even what it is. It's just like this inherent knowing of like, first of all, what's right and wrong. And second of all, what you're passionate about and what you feel is important. Like when you know that deep down, I think that's when you can not give a fuck what anyone else is thinking or saying just like with putting up putting up starting the gay straight alliance you're like this is there is no question of whether this should be done and therefore i don't care what anyone thinks Aww. um those those very very sweet words to say there um <laughs> <laughs> it feels like you know like mm-hmm. that's what it might be yeah i don't know i mean i think part of it was like maybe like watching sex ed on YouTube so much, like really normalized it for me. Like I watched Lacey Green. I don't know if I would recommend her now, but like she was hugely informative and like sex explanations on YouTube. So in some ways I was like, this feels very, and also like growing up on YouTube, like in general, like started watching YouTube in like 2008. It felt very much a part of my like growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't, part of me is like, because I'm like an Aquarius rising, like Scorpio sun, <laughs> but I do feel like it's kind of, yeah, part of me to just be like, let's do it. Like, and also like seeing how much it had an impact on me, like knowing like truly, and in terms of like sex ed, knowing that like truly it would like benefit other people too. I love that. Did you ever watch Stevie Bobby? Yes, yes, Stevie was like one of my one of my big sex ed on YouTube influences too when I was Me coming too. out and like I'm pretty sure before <laughs> before I went to that Airbnb was I like watching Stevie Bobby's videos probably. <laughs> oh, I watched I literally would watch Stevie's videos. Oh, Bobby, whoops, I said <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I literally watched it like before I knew a girl was going to come over. Like I yeah. love that. Yeah, like just because I was so I was still new to everything, so I was like really scared. So I was like Stevie. I literally it was like how to finger a girl properly, like all the steps, and it's just on the internet. Yeah, I I love Stevie so much. I I like have met her a couple times now, and like yeah, we're like internet friends, and it's cute. The fucking highlight of I I feel very happy. (laughs) Shout out Stevie. Shout out Stevie. Yeah, definitely a big, big inspiration. (laughs) Sarah, I'll show you some of her videos. You would love them. Like the way she um, does like the sex ed classes. I probably have shown you before, but it's very entertaining. Like she does it in a great way. Like she should have been my teacher. Yeah. I'm wondering like if YouTube should just be like what they show in sex ed now. (laughs) Like let's show what's my body doing videos in our sex ed classes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, YouTube is so sex negative now. Like it's oh, progressively really? gotten, yeah, it's progressively gotten more and more impossible to make any kind of money doing sex ed videos. Mm. Like when, or have any type of reach. Yeah. Like when Lacey Green was making sex ed videos in like 2010, like 2012, she was getting like 
millions of views per video and like had still some kind of monetizability. Um, and I think the reason Stevie stopped making sex ed videos was because they would all get demonetized after a certain point. And yeah, for myself, like almost every single one of my videos I make no money on. Mm -hmm. um, and that wasn't the case when I started. And that's because of YouTube's policies and monetization practices? Yeah, getting more and more strict. Interesting. How do you feel about that? It's like fucking heartbreaking. Like, it's, I don't know, talking about like how much Stevie's videos like were impactful for like Persis and I like not having that, knowing that like that is less possible for people to get education that way is like pretty fucked up. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I mostly make content on Instagram now, like partially for that reason. But I wouldn't say that like Instagram is, I don't know, I could talk a lot about censorship. Instagram is better than TikTok in terms of censorship. censorship for sure. It doesn't, it doesn't give you the same like reach that maybe YouTube would have had in like 10, like five, 10 years ago. Right. Um, I don't know. We say it's, it's, it's so, I'm like, yes, like queer people are getting sex out on the internet and I'm so happy to be a part of that. But it's also a fucking uphill battle and none of these platforms want us to be giving queer sex ed. That is so interesting. I, I didn't know any of that. I would have assumed that everything was becoming far more sex positive. Yeah, there are definitely more like sex ed accounts on Instagram. Right. Um, but yeah, it's also like there's also like different different layers and like intersectionality too. Like the accounts that are more likely to be verified are like cishet white women doing sex ed because like they're more further reaching and like more palatable than we're likely to get brand deals. And like, right. yeah, sex educators of color, like fat sex educators are even more like suppressed in the algorithm and like more likely to be banned and, and taken down. And there's a whole, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is something I would love to, maybe we can do like a whole episode on this purse and dive into it a little deeper and get Eva's insights as well, because this is, this is actually news to me and I'm coming from a very privileged position as a straight white woman. I understand that. And maybe that's why I'm blind to these, to this information, but it, it seems like extremely da damaging in the long run. And of course I understand the nuances of having to protect people on the internet and that when we're talking about sex on the internet, there are a billion different, you know, notches on the spectrum. Um, but I mean, it has to, they have to take into consideration. The other side what the, too. Yeah, what the practices are and how the algorithm is going to be working for who and for who. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing about YouTube would be you'd go through and you'd say like, it's okay to have sex ed content as long as it's educational. Yes. And I would always be like, tick, tick, yes, my videos are educational. And it would go right. through the censorship process and it would be like, no, no, it's not, still not monetizable. Oh. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting too, because we like talk about how like queers get sex ed on the internet. Um, my like little like idealistic, like soapbox heart. Um, I'm like, there's so many like research projects they're like we're gonna make the next like digital sex ed resource for people and I'm like why don't you just fucking give it to people like me or other queer sex educators who are already doing this work right who, like don't have access to the kind of like Instagram platforms or like sponsorships or not mm -hmm. I don't know why reinvent the wheel 
So, yeah. Yeah, I think this is like a super important <laughs> message. Really, like I think I'm feeling like a little angry. <laughs> yes, I've been yes, a little bit angry. Anger comes. Yes. It's just, and we know the algorithm works against so many marginalized communities. We already know that, but I think in this in this particular topic, like you already said it, queers have to learn about sex on the internet, and so yeah. if the right information is not there. That's scary. That's so dangerous, and like it's. Queer people still have to learn about sex on the internet because we haven't solved curriculum in schools. And we, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this is like... And we're in 2022. Like, why, yeah. is it, why is that not happening now? <laughs> Literally. Guys, since this is a podcast, you can't see, but Eva's like flailing <laughs> their arms around. I'm and so happy for Sarah to become the next number one advocate for <laughs> <laughs> decreased censorship of queer sex ed. <laughs> SOS! SOS! This is an emergency! Oh my god, okay. We're definitely going to talk about this a lot more on the pod, but we do want to dive into sex because we're excited to talk about it and we only have you for a short time. So first of all, as we mentioned when we first jumped on the call, a lot of our listeners are baby gays or they're or even not baby gays, but they're maybe just starting to explore their sexuality for the first time, their sex life, either with same gender or non-binary partners. Like what advice would you have for them as they kind of venture off into this exciting time? Oh, I give them so much fucking love. Like I am with you. I'm so excited for this like journey and transformation and like all the queer joy that you're about to experience. Um, But yeah, I would also say that like everybody else is figuring it out and it is like not a requirement to be an expert on sex and that kind of doesn't really exist. (laughs) Like every time you have a new partner, you are learning how to have sex with them for the first time and yeah yeah you're learning together there's there's no pressure you come in with curiosity and enthusiasm and a willingness to to say what you want and what you don't want those are like all the sex the essential sex skills that you need I love that you said um every new person you do sleep with it is like a very new experience because that's true. Like you don't know each other's bodies yet. Like that takes some time to like get to know because I feel like some people, if they're kind of new to even like queer sex, there's this like, like I kind of went through this. I was terrified because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I kind of just got to figure it out, but sex in general, like you're, you're figuring it out with the other person that makes it more fun. Yeah. I like that approach rather than putting like so much pressure to like know everything. Because I'm not going to know everything and neither will they. And that feels very universal coming from the straight perspective that that completely applies to heterosex. And if heterosex is very mutual and safe and respectful, like that is the wonderful thing that can come out of it is this like exploration of the other person in like this beautiful way. Yes, it's That's true. great advice. Yeah. You heard it here first, y'all. Yep. Heard it here first. <laughs> what do you so what are the pillars of amazing queer sex I'm really excited to dive into this oh my gosh I saw that question and I was like okay what are the pillars of really good queer sex um oh my gosh I honestly think that my answer like has overlap here like I'm always gonna preach like curiosity I think like compassion both like self-compassion 
for yourself and like holding space for my needs are valid um and like kindness towards the other person and like open communication which I think mm-hmm. we yeah this idea of like that you like co-create sex with somebody else and when you like release those expectations of what you think should happen or how like your body should react like that is where I think like real exciting connection and pleasure can happen I love that you are co-creating sex with another person. I've never heard that before. Right? That's exactly it's, what it is. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like so much of like how we were taught about sex is like, these are the rules, like this is how it's going to happen. And you're trying to like push yourself like and conform to the box as much as possible. Versus right. the idea of like, okay, come in, blank slate. Tell me what you like. I'll tell what you what I like. Let's yeah. figure out well, where figure the overlap together. is. Yeah. yeah. And like we are creating like some we don't need any of the any of the rules. <laughs> right. The rules. <laughs> and I feel like it helps to take away some of the power dynamics because once again, speaking of heterosex, I mean, so much of heterosex is involved in power and the man having power over the woman. And I think that's why a lot of young women get scared to have sex because there's this automatic power dynamic and I could imagine especially for baby gays having sex with a partner who is more experienced than them might also feel like maybe they're about to go into some sort of like power play dynamic but I think if you can strip that away then you feel so much more safe and yeah then you are free to play and that's when like good stuff happens (laughs) Mm -hmm. all of this is like how do I say this yeah I like teach like queer sex ed, but queer sex ed is really about like an FU to like cis hetero structures of sex. And I think that can benefit everybody. And I think you're right. Like there's these assumptions that like different sex acts, like blowjobs or penetration are like assumed maybe to happen in the sex act. Mm, So going into it being like, remove all these assumptions. Like let's talk about what we actually want to do. Um, yeah, I think why, it like can be like really empowering. That's so true. When people assume certain sex acts need to be in like um, involved with like intimacy, I would feel that way a lot with um with, with women sometimes because if there wasn't like penetration involved, like using a toy or something or whatever the whatever it was, I was like, mm. I didn't know if that was sex because it was ingrained in my head with men. Real sex, air quotes was a penis entering the vagina but it's like all like a sex act you know it's just yeah and it was assumed like it should happen for it to like count or something i don't know yeah i feel like i've heard like yeah i feel like i've heard with queer women too like the assumption of like oral sex needing to happen um which yeah and like of course we can also say like queer sex does not just involve like two vulvas or two penises like Mm -hmm queer and trans people can have all sorts of agendas and it can be queer sex like penis and vagina sex can be really fucking queer um yeah yeah, it's about like the people having it and what it means to you i have a question if someone's listening to this and they're like all of that sounds great i want to go into this sexual experience i'm going to have with this person with this blank slate that eva's talking about how would you how would you advise them to like go about setting up that boundary or setting up that 
safe space for themselves? Is it just as simple as communicating that? Yeah. Okay. That's a, that is a very good question. Um, <laughs> um, I'm like, this is so much of, that's like the work that I do, the course that I teach, but oh, yeah. Good. yeah. One of the things I would say is like, you can practice having that blank slate with yourself. Like even when it comes to self-pleasure, we have this idea that like self-pleasure equals sexual masturbation with genitals and like having practice where you're like, I want to give myself bodily pleasure and approaching that every time being like, what kind of bodily pleasure would feel exciting and nurturing and like good right now? And you're like, maybe sometimes that means like, I want to run a bath. Maybe sometimes that means I want to give myself like a neck and head massage. Sometimes that means like, I want to just like grind on something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that means like, I do want to get like my vibrator penetration or whatever. Um, and like practice, you can practice like releasing that script around like pleasure, sensuality, sexuality with yourself. Mm. Um, yeah. And then I'd also say I'm like a huge communication person. Um, but I think you can do like doing a lot of that communication upfront and also kind of setting those expectations, being like, when I hook up with somebody or like when I'm in relationships, like I like to be really open about this stuff because I want to make sure that the sex that we have is really awesome for both of us and feels really like free and good. Um, yeah. And I like, I like yes, no, maybe lists, which are literally Ooh. like, yes. Cool. <laughs> okay. So like, do you, you just mean like of all the things we can do and in, in, of all the sexual things we can do, here are my yeses, my noes, my maybes. Yeah. So oh. I like yeah, I've done the thing where like I'll like make a little like like on my notes app on my phone be like, okay, like for tonight or like generally, what are the type of things I've been like craving or interested in? Like the yes, no's, maybes. And then like send it over to them and be like, send me yours. I'll sh I've showed you mine, you show me yours. <laughs> I love that. Cause then you already know what you're kind of getting into with the person and it makes you feel so comfortable that like you're opening up that conversation. Like there's no questions. I think that's awesome. It can also be sexy. It's like almost a form of sexting. It's like getting ready for tonight. Hi. I would love that if my if my man sent that to me and I was like, yes, here's my list. Yeah. Oh, I have like, I keep going. I'm like, when I was like on dating apps with men and stuff, before I came out, I would ask them like kind of as a flirty way to do this, like, what sex acts do you think are the most underrated? Which ones do you think are the most overrated? And which ones do you think are the most correctly rated? I like that. <laughs> I might use that. Right? Because if they're like, oh, like eating pussies overrated, I'd be like, bye. Have a nice life. If someone said that, no, we don't, we don't talk. We don't talk anymore. It's over. No, out here. Oh no. Um, but yeah, no, a dating apps with men. It, <laughs> um, <laughs> you're like that was another filter, life filter by whether or not you eat pussy it's a wild time out there <gasps> sarah I can't i really want to hear sarah's opinion but there's the plumber here i know like getting the straight perspective <laughs> listeners sarah has a plumber literally at her apartment right now so she can't weigh in but we're literally talking about men on dating apps and it's been a long time since i've been on a dating app with a man but I listen, mean, I have no comment. That's all I got to say. Yeah, no comment. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can, I can share more tips for, yeah, it's, it's, there are a couple really cool, like, um, 
like resources for creating a yes, no, maybe list. Cause sometimes it can feel a little bit like, I don't know what my options are. Right. Uh, smooch. Um, but yeah, Scarletine, which is a really great, like queer friendly website has a cool, like yes, no, maybe list template with a bunch of different like options. And then cool. Bex, Bex Caputo, who's a really awesome trans sex educator has a really great, list which is also like has some kink stuff and he also put some really cool stuff on there around like what words do you like to be used to describe yourself and Mm. also like how do you want to feel which I feel like we don't ever talk about like how do you want a sexual experience to feel right there's also a really great video by Lindsay Doe from Sexplanations about I forget what it's called maybe like 100 I think it's called 150 sex acts oh I've Um, heard of this yeah. yeah, and I feel like that could be, like, a fun one to, like, watch with a partner and be, like, okay, like, let's let's pause and, like, talk about what we like or, like, at the end, watch it and be, like, what was interesting to you, like, yeah. Yeah, Love just that. to get a page on, like, what they'd be into. Oh, mm-hmm. that's the best. This is really good advice. Yeah. We'll <laughs> drop all these into the show notes for you guys so you can so you can see what's up. Oh, another question we have is, anyone who's in a long distance relationship. And I feel like the queers really know long distance relationships, like they go the distance. So (laughs) what are some sex tips you have for any of our listeners who are in LDRs? How do they keep it spicy? As like a, yeah, as like a sexting, as a sexting researcher, it's probably not surprising that I'm like, we love a, love a sexting moment, love like sending voice notes, sexy voice notes mm-hmm. to like get on the phone late at night and like each masturbate and listen to each other doing things, making noises. Um, I'm trying to think what else, to, like keeping it sexy. Mm. Are there those toys that like, are those a real thing? Like those long distance like sex toys where like I could be using it and it like works on my partner or like wherever they are? Yeah, or like you can have, you can like control on an app, like what the toy that your partner is using. Yes, I've, I've tried a couple of them. They're from WeVibe, the ones that I've tried. And it can really go the distance because my roommate has one, but she, t- we have a funny relationship, but she literally tested it on me to like see if it would work. But Fun. I have, to, but it only goes like a certain distance. So she was in her room and I had to walk like all the way to the bathroom. And then it started to kind of lose its like ability. So I was like, but what if we're like actually in an LDR? Because she yeah. could use hers like at a bar if she wanted with like a partner. That is fun. Yeah. Well, that's fun too. Yeah, that's that was her goal. She's like, um, whoever she goes with, she's like, let's go out to a bar. And like, they, they know they're like using it. I know. Ooh, spicy. <laughs> spicy. That's a hot tip. I feel like like just the gayest thought like to my head. Um, I have read gay erotic poetry on Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Eva, there's nothing that gets me off more than like gay erotica or like gay poetry. Like it's something about the writing and how you can like imagine in your head that is like the horniest I've been. So sensual. (laughs) So good. Have you read the best lesbian erotica anthology? No. 
I'm going to bring it to the next brunch. <laughs> Please bring it. it down. Thank you. I need it. Writing it down. Um, it's called the best lesbian erotica, but it's a very like, I would call it like a queer and trans erotica. Like there's lots of different identities and yeah, as an anthology, it's really great because you get like a short story from a bunch of different authors. So you can kind of like see which one you vibe with. Ah, okay. Yay. Okay. So perfect. I can't wait to go to your house and get it. My gay library is everybody's gay library. Like what's the point of having a gay brown library if I'm not like, you want lesbian erotica? (laughs) I can't wait. So we talked a little bit about self-pleasure, but how can we all be a bit better at giving ourselves self-pleasure? That is a great question. Yeah, I feel like I talked a little bit about it, about how even like with self-pleasure and masturbation, there can be very much like a general focus, 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 and like an orgasm. Focus on our ass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I don't know why that struck me so funny. It's almost 10 p.m. We're doing (laughs) doing focus on the ass. Girl, you make me laugh. Percy, you make me laugh. (laughs) I'm just the worst. I'm sorry. Keep going, Eva. The best. Um, Yeah, I feel like there can still be like a genital focus and like an orgasm focus and kind of like broadening that to like whole body. And I think too, like people who aren't cishet men can sometimes feel like disillusioned with like porn or erotica um, and like different types of like erotic materials. But, like, yeah, there's no shame in fuck the patriarchy is made like reading romance novels a really uncool thing. But I'm like, excuse me, like, if I want to read like a build up, if I want to hear a story about some sexy people, like, there's literally like nothing wrong with that. And like, prioritizing, like, creating like a practice for yourself of like these different things that you do that like increase your arousal and having like foreplay with yourself can mm-hmm. like, heighten the experience. I have a question that just came to mind, and I want to make sure I ask it properly, but like when we're talking about queer sex ed, I feel like it's also really important to like talk about the trans experience as well, which you do a lot in your content, and you've already talked about it quite a bit in this conversation, but I would imagine that a trans person might have some blockages when it comes to self-pleasure maybe as they're transitioning or even before they transition as they're kind of getting in touch with their gender and how that gender connects to their current genitalia or their future genitalia. How do you feel about that? Like, Do you ever work with trans people who are maybe struggling with self-pleasure and how can trans people reconnect and stay connected to their body, whether they're pre-transition or maybe going through it, or maybe they're not going to transition? Dealing with like gender dysphoria um, around like genitals and like bodies can definitely can be something that comes up for trans people. Also, if trans people are on like hormones, like HRT, there could be changes in kind of sex drive, bodies, like all of that can lead to kind of like changes and re-navigating and relearning for sure. Um, I would absolutely point people to trans sex educators who are really talking more about this specifically. Mm. Um, I've mentioned Bex Caputo. I also really love Tuck Malloy. Ooh, there's the Queer Sex Ed podcast, which is not running anymore, but it has a really great archive. 
and that has I think speaks a little bit more to like a trans femme experience yeah I know like at least for myself like as a non-binary person um like starting to express more authentically and feeling more confident in like voicing what feels good to partners and just yeah expressing more authentically in general has made like sexual expression feel a lot better and more aligned Mm. and like yeah (laughs) yeah less Um, of less of like a who are you gonna talk about my body in a way that feels gross i don't know why mm -hmm. it feels gross now i can just be like okay please do not refer to my tits like that let's not do it and like yeah just like releasing kind of expectations that i no longer need to carry about like how i should be um in any type of like sexual situation yeah i think like just add that to the list of things amazing things that happen when you start to feel you're like your most authentic self in every single way i mean just like good things happen across the board Yes. Yeah. And I think too, like talking about how like queer and trans sex, that is beneficial for everybody. Like talking about like releasing expectations of like how somebody refers to their body, how they like to be touched, like having those conversations really openly can be beneficial for everybody. Like it's not cool for, it's not going to feel great for anybody if like mid sex, you call somebody's like vulva a name that they're like, that they don't resonate with. Like regardless, if you're like, cishet or queer or trans like right yeah yeah it's all about communication mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to always just talk it out we want to talk to you a little bit about toys um and you've also talked quite a bit on your channels about lube as well so we want to just ask in your opinion what are the toys or sex accessories lube whatever that queer people listening like need to invest in um yeah I love toys. Big advocate. Worked for a sex toy company for a year. Um, no way. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Honey Playbox. I think if you still use my code, Eva Bloom, you might get nice. like 30% off or something. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. Putting that in the show notes. Hi. <laughs> they have a lot. Their stuff is reasonably priced. Um, <laughs> love it. Love that. Um, one second. Also, Bonji Bon. I don't know if not y'all know Bonji Bon. No. I think I've you heard should. of it. I don't know you it. Should- you should collab. It's also a two best friend endeavor. Just two badass women best friends running a sex toy company in Toronto. Okay. Oh, wait, wait. One of them's in Vancouver and one of them's in Toronto. Stop. No way. Oh, my God. We need... They're what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. They're called Bondi Bond? Mm-hmm. And I think I think also if you use Eva 10, you get 10% off. If you want to support oh! Canadian local. Okay. Um, of incredible. Of course we do. We always and, want to support local. And they're, they're so wonderful. Yay. Okay, cool. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But yeah, about toys. Um, toys are super duper personal. I don't feel like I can give a like broad spectrum recommendation, Mm -hmm. Um, but I can give a broad spectrum recommendation to like check Bonji Bon out, like go to a store that's like run by people who care about your sexual health, who are like super open to like ask questions, like who are in Toronto, want to go to, like, Good For Her in person, really wonderful employees. Um, Yeah, sex toys just, like, add a lot of really wonderful possibilities, and they're a great tool. Yes, and don't be afraid of them. 
embrace no. them. Yeah. <laughs> Me Respect being a them. spokesperson. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I feel, I feel like that sometimes. Respect boundaries. Not everybody's into sex toys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they're tools to like enhance and like provide new sensations. They're not your competition. And I feel like if anyone listening is really um, – getting anxious at the idea of like going to a store and talking to a salesperson about it totally understandable i i feel like if that's not your jam talking to your partner about it first is actually like a great gateway to kind of be like would this interest you what about this what about this talk about it see what's coming up and then even go together to the store you know and like shop together and that might feel like a little bit more of a safe space too just in case you're a bit more like introverted about your sex life yeah, I mean, you can literally like pull up a website like on your phone in bed and like. Even if you're by yourself, just like go to Bonjivon's website, and see what's popping out to you. I've like for so long had a dream. My sister's like in like tech and like website design, and I'm like, can we make an app where you can like go through all these different toys? You and your partner can go through these list of sex toys and then pick out which ones you like and then it only sends a list of which ones you both like to each other i want it i want to make this app you should i feel like that would really change the game because like i think some people might be very overwhelmed to be like because there's so many options so it's like like plug it in an app and then they literally send you what is right for you and your partner like sex ed information in there yeah, it could be like a whole full scale, right? You can have your yes, no, maybe lists already on there. You can like share it with new partners. So they automatically have all your info. You can partner with sex toy companies. That would be amazing. This is genius. Anybody listening to the podcast, please don't steal this idea. <laughs> don't steal this idea. We trust you guys to not. <laughs> or we will come after you in a court of law with this podcast episode dated. The date today, what is it? April, April 19th. 18th. 18th. April 18th, Versus, 2022. We have to get our story straight. They're going to poke loopholes in the courtroom. Who's <laughs> to say? Who's to say? But if anyone listening is an app developer and loves this idea, reach out to Eva because this could be, this could save all of us from awkward sex conversations. Yes. Agreed. Although no sex conversation should be awkward. But also meeting people where they're at. If it's easier right. to talk about it, I'm also, I'm very like, talk about it over text. If it's either going to be not talk about it at all or talk about it over text, talk about it over text. <laughs> True. Yeah, sometimes it's easier with that little bit of a wall up. Totally. Just behind a screen. I know we're going a little bit over time, but there were a few more questions we wanted to ask you. This is one that I feel like a lot of people say and like to this even in this day and age people are claiming that they think lesbians are virgins so i just wanted to talk to you about that so we could be like what the actual fuck but oh my god yeah ah, i feel like that's really like to your story of like i had four orgasms was it was it really sex um yeah, yeah it's just it's just this had sex propaganda <laughs> yeah if the story got loose all these lesbians were having really fine blowing sex. The world would the world would be radically changed, I think. So we gotta discredit we just gotta discredit them. I totally agree. And also just like kind of like how we talked about before, like what defines 
like sex. You know what I mean? Like, does it have to be like a man has to enter my vagina for me to like not be a virgin anymore when I've been having sex with women? It's it's just very interesting to me. So yeah, I wanted to get your take on it. I feel like it's very old, but it's still very relevant. Like I've even had people who I know literally ask me if like, if I'm having real sex and it's like very shocking because you think it's over, but it's not. Yeah. Damn. In some sad way that makes you feel like Eva has got to keep doing, <laughs> keep on tracking. People still need the. They do. The, yeah. The sex ed needs, we need it. We really need it. <laughs> I'm like yelling from the top of mountain. Um, okay. How can queer people embrace pleasure like really embrace it and more than that or equal to that just release any shame that is associated with sexuality and sex as a whole I know that's a big question (laughs) if y'all will let me I feel like that question is is begging for me to promote my event which is exactly about what that question is about (laughs) please do promote everything everything um it's called how to find authentic desire when the world doesn't want you to um and it's all about helping folks like name the ways that these different systems are fucking with their authentic desire and like cast off the shame that no longer serves them and learn how to like come into what really feels like good and embodied and and start creating that in their life So, yeah, I'm having this event at Glad Day, the amazing queer bookstore in Toronto on April 27th. So, like, next week on Wednesday. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, 7 to 9. Come on down. You can get tickets in my bio. And, yeah, we're going to talk literally, literally all about that. I can't wait. I'm going to come. I'm yeah. so excited. I'm so excited to see you shine. Oh, I think first I'm, yeah. I'm super excited too. I've run the workshop a couple times on Zoom and I know that like the energy in the room at Glad Day is going to be like fucking magic. Totally. Like so beautiful for all of us together to be in a room and be like, yeah, fuck it. Literally, literally just be open. And, and like you said, just like, let's embrace it and like let go of that shame that I think all of us have kind of like grown up with and inherently, you know, so. Yeah. 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 So a lot of the workshop will be like, let's name it before we release it. Like name what was never our idea. Like what was, what is designed by the system? Like what is gifted to us? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just some ways of like coming kind of back into embodiment. I think we talked about this, like kind of throughout the podcast about how to come back to self um, and like build a pleasure practice for yourself. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen, Eva. And I'll say this because Eva probably won't, but follow people like Eva. Follow Eva on Instagram. Like, watch What's My Body Doing videos. Like, I honestly think that just engaging with content like this and making that a regular thing in your day, because we're already all scrolling on our phones all day, you know, it's just what we do. Like, that can really help you change your ideology in a positive way, because there's a lot of ways on the internet can go the opposite. But... Following people like Eva, I think, is really powerful. Yeah. Deliberately, yeah. Deliberately rewiring your brain to, to get rid of all the all the other shit. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And I think that actually is a good lead up to um, our next little section about compulsory heterosexuality. Because you have the Fuck Compet Support Club. 
you had started that up. So can you explain in your own words what COMPET is and what it feels like? Yeah, so COMPET or compulsory heterosexuality is basically the idea that like in our society, heterosexuality and cisness is like ingrained into these different levels of our society from like so like social relational institutions like gender reveal parties um or like bathrooms being like binary gendered or oh my gosh i'm trying to think like so much of our media for so many years like only showed like cis hetero couples um like it really is like ingrained into all parts of our society and yeah growing up like um being immersed in that and also like penalized for stepping outside of that it can be very easy for queer women and non-binary people to not recognize their queerness as as like valid or even notice that like different behaviors or feelings might be queer um when they've been given like no framework or like language or examples um of it and like it's so socially rewarded to be heterosexual and um yeah socially like financially yeah rewarded um so yeah it can feel like dismissing thoughts and feelings that you might have um Mm. or not noticing thoughts or yeah in the fuck combat support club we have like uh, a little discord we have different like channels to talk about stuff and one of them is called compet realizations and people will like share a lot of things where they're like oh like, i didn't realize that i was like falling into these old patterns yeah like i know for me one of the things i noticed um recently <laughs> a couple days ago was that i was still swiping on people on dating apps who i didn't necessarily find attractive um as a holdover for when I was like on dating apps with men and I would tell myself like oh even if you're not attracted to them like maybe the attraction will come and like maybe it's like an overall (sighs) sense of caring and like even after coming out and like being a professional gay on the internet like that programming from like being hetero still exists in me and me being like no like you can grow oh totally yeah Mm -hmm. And that's an important note. I think we've talked about this before on the pod. Um, combat doesn't end once you come out. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, magically I'm cured of combat. It is ingrained into our society, our culture, the things we consume and into our brains. It's going to kind of stay there in all these little ways, like the little way you just noticed. It's all about awareness. The fact that you were aware of that is huge. Yeah, and I think because like the original essay was like written around like lesbians than compet people think that it's just a lesbian phenomena but bi people can experience it too and like straight people like it really is also about like this larger cis heteronormativity that yeah i think that like everybody could do with a little bit of being like okay what are the little ways this is seeping into my brain <laughs> mm-hmm. i totally agree how can we heal from compet <sighs> yeah the ways that i healed from compet one was to like stop dating and like focus on myself yeah really give yourself time to like interrogate and be like what are parts of me that i've absorbed that would be more make me more like palatable to like a cishet audience and like yeah i think internalized homophobia is like related to it too and just being like yeah you can be super 
fucking gay. <laughs> that's that's loud. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and finding queer community and like, especially for me, like lesbian community, I feel like has helped kind of create like a homonormative space um, mm. where queerness can can be the default for once. I feel like is very magic rewiring for my brain. <laughs> Queerness can be the default. I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I've definitely been in a space, like, especially over the last couple of years where I've surrounded myself with more queer people. And that's really helped me, I think, like deal with compulsory heterosexuality. Because when we're speaking out about our experiences and we're all relating to each other, it's like that can make the world of a difference. So. Yeah. And I think like giving yourself like compassion and space, like to grieve the time that you spent like giving like being a part of compat like mm. the the parts of yourself that you're that you hid because of compat um and yeah show yourself compassion that like it's gonna take time and like yeah there's gonna be moments where you're like well like <laughs> i'm doing that thing again where i see a man across the street and i'm like is he attractive should i should i look a certain i'm like mm. what are you doing what are you doing Ah, uh, that is so real. That is so real. It's like angering. Oh man. And also anyone listening who identifies as straight, like compet can can really be damaging for you as well. In the that exact example is like a perfect way to provide an image of how like compet can seep into your life as a straight person as well. So like engage and educate and join the fuck compet support group. Join it. Join it. Okay, before we say goodbye, because we're nowhere over time, we just want to ask you really, really quick about labels because you talk about something really interesting um, in your content, which is the idea. So you identify as a non-binary lesbian and how there are a lot of people in the queer community and out of it who believe that that can't be a thing. And I think it just all revolves around this concept of labels. And how do you feel about labels in general? Do you find them helpful for you yeah for me like my understanding of labels is that like a label can primarily feel like can have like two main purposes like one is around like finding peace and home and like joy in yourself and then the other kind of purpose can be like finding community like if you use a label and you find other people who use a label um, that can be a, a, like one way to find them and also a way to like connect with people who have shared experiences. Um, but I, beyond that, I don't think the purpose of a label should be to like explain every minutia of your experience. Um, and it doesn't mean that like every person who uses a label will have the exact same experience. And then what would you say to someone who says that being a non-binary lesbian is an impossibility? yeah it's impossible (laughs) it's impossible how dare you how dare dare you it offends me it's ruining my life (laughs) i really love both of y'all and and sarah just being like ready to fight for the queers (laughs) i'm an aries so you know i can i can Get pretty feisty if She's I want She's a bull. To. It's the no a ram, a ram, right? Ram. Get it okay. Sorry. <laughs> Feistiness coming out. <laughs> yeah, I would say that um non-binary lesbians have existed for forever. Uh like gender nonconformity has been 
a really like core tenant and like part of the queer and lesbian community in history as long as there have been queer people and lesbians there have always been like people who explored gender expression people who had complex relationships with their gender um and i think the reason that like non-binary identities labels like non-binary lesbians feel like a new thing is just because like the language the specific language that we're using is more new um but yeah just because like the title might seem new to you doesn't mean that we haven't always been here <laughs> mm-hmm. fuck yeah yeah i would yes. yeah read some was it less leslie feinberg and two books leslie feinberg and it's on my it's on my desk I can't see it. <laughs> and gender gender was it stonebridge blues and gender outlaw yeah and i think on a base level it's it i think i i giggle a little bit when someone says that for example, being a non-binary lesbian is impossible because, hi, Eva Bloom is sitting right in front of us and they are a non-binary lesbian. So, you know what I mean? It's like seeing is believing. Um, I see it in front of me and therefore it exists. Like, it's so interesting that someone could say this equals incorrect or impossible. It's true. Y'all, the po- the podcast we've recorded, these two hours are real. Yes. <laughs> they existed. Yeah. And this is why representation is so important. So thank you, Eva, for doing what you do. Thank we, you. We're so like grateful to have you on. All of your expertise is so important. And our listeners, like genuinely, I think we'll get so much out of this conversation truly. So we're so grateful for you. Thanks all for having me. This of was course. wonderful. Is there anything else that you want to like plug before you go? Like anything exciting? We got the event coming up. We got the Compat Support Group, your YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All the plugs. Follow me on Instagram at What's My Body Doing. Um, if you're in Toronto or the GTA, love to see you at the event at Glad Day, April 27th. 7 to 9 p.m. Our next Pop Compet Support Club call is April 29th at 3 p.m. EST on Zoom. And they're not like, <laughs> it's like a mean girl's quote. It's not like a regular Zoom call. It's like fun Zoom call. <laughs> we do like dance parties. It's like, it doesn't feel like you're on a Zoom call. It's really fun. <laughs> I love that. Yes. I'm also, last plug, I'm also relaunching my 14-week course um which is called fuck the patriarchy fuck yourself um i love that so much yeah it's all about sexual exploration and sexual liberation and if you resonated with i think a lot of the stuff we talked about on the podcast about like how do you explore self-pleasure how do you like generate like self-advocacy how do you have really good queer sex Mm -hmm. that is literally how do you release sexual shame like those are such the foundations of the course so yeah go to my website evilboom.ca slash fpfy program you can join the wait list and it's going to be enrolling like at the end of the month very soon amazing okay guys we're going to link all of this in the show notes so you can have easy access and you can follow Eva and all the things because it's going to make your life better. That's the slogan I've I've prepared for you. <laughs> I love that. I will make your life better. Yes. <laughs> Eva Bloom. <laughs> Eva Bloom. Also, amazing. Like, 
you were just a sunshine. I hope you know that. Yes. Y'all too. This has been the most wonderful interview. Excellent chat. Ah, Persis. I have and in case you missed it, that I'm genuinely excited to share. It's a happy one, and it's a Sarah Recco. Um, and who doesn't love a Sarah Recco? Mm, I mean... I'll, I'll just ask it one more time. Who doesn't love a Sarah Recco? Um, I mean, I don't think that's, like, really been discussed on the pod. Oh. Um, um, I've, I just assumed the answer would be, like, a resounding... Nobody, nobody doesn't love a Sarah Recco. Well, give it a chance. Like, I'll, I'm giving you the floor. So, like, okay. Me. Oh, all right. Um, I don't really like the tone, but I'm going to go ahead and take the floor. That's rightly mine. And if I impress you, I impress you. And if I don't, you know, it really doesn't make any difference to me personally. That's that's the confidence. That's the so, baby I like. <laughs> that's my baby. <laughs> Persis does like confidence. That is her type. Yeah. <laughs> Am I Persis's type? I think so. That's a future episode. <laughs> yeah. That would actually be kind of funny, Sarah. That would be funny. Okay, we'll talk about it. Um, but right now, for in case you missed it, we want to talk about a movie that just came out that I want to recommend to y'all. Persis hasn't seen it yet, but she's excited to see it. It's called Everything Everywhere All at Once. You guys might have maybe seen the trailer around or seen posters or billboards. Um, it's an A24 movie. It's out in theaters right now. It's I honestly would suggest going to the theater and watching it if you can because it's so crazy and cool and it's like such a journey and such a trip. And so seeing it on a big screen with the big noise is really exciting. But the thing we want to talk about is a character in the film who is a queer Asian American femme presenting woman. She is a very important character in the story. I'm not going to give anything away, but a lot of the story revolves around her and her queerness, especially how it relates to her family and her mom in particular, who um, is played by Michelle Yu, and she's the she's the star of the film. And it's a lot it's basically a story about a mother and a daughter and how this character her name is joy is able to show up as her most authentic self in her family and in a lot of ways it's really difficult there's a lot of strain there her mother loves her so much but isn't always able to accept her queerness or celebrate it and it the movie really explores it but what i'm most excited about is to have an Asian American queer character in this type of role. It's, it is quite groundbreaking. It's, we don't get to see Asian women, queer women in these types of roles very often. And you guys will see when you watch it, she gets to take on all these different characters throughout the movie. And it kind of shows like the multitudes of her queer experience and how it's not just one thing, it's many different things. And it's actually for her resulted in a lot of like mental health issues and agony, like having to hide this part of herself from her family and then not feeling totally accepted by her family. Joy, this character we're talking about, is played by Stephanie Shu, who was incredible. Also, she's really beautiful. Looking at you, Purse. Oh, yeah. I'm you like, you like pretty, pretty women. 
Yeah, she's gorgeous and she's so talented. Um, and she actually spoke to Out Magazine about playing this role. And I just wanted to read one quick quote from her. So she said, In my dream world, we're either wearing all the hats or no hats at all. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Shu tells Out, when asked about playing a young woman who lives at the intersection of being LGBTQ plus and Asian American, which is an identity that is still not explored or portrayed nearly enough in mainstream film. And then Stephanie said, this movie is so first of its kind that it somehow transcends identity politics. And yet it is so significant that it's a Chinese family. And it's so significant that Joy is gay. When I read the script, a queer love story felt so obvious. An Asian family is so obvious because that's also my life. I feel so relieved that it's a part of the texture of the film, but yet not like, look at my hat, you know? The movie isn't leading with that energy. It's just like, look, these are people who happen to be Chinese, who happen to be gay, and they're just trying to figure this freaking crazy chaotic life out. And I just feel so touched that it's reaching people. And despite its, its non-linear nature, which you guys will understand when you see the movie, it's fucking insane. It's so cool. Despite the chaotic wild ride, everyone is surprised at how much they get it and they say, yeah, that's it, that's it. So basically basically, what it sounds like to me, Stephanie's saying is like, I related to this story because that's my life, that's who I am. I am queer, I'm Asian. We don't actually know for sure what Stephanie identifies as, so we don't want to assume anything, but it's exciting that actors like her and artists like her get to play roles like that. And I don't know, I hope there's some Oscar buzz around Stephanie Hsu because she's incredible and I can't wait for you guys to go see this movie and celebrate this Asian queer role that is um, really beautiful. And they're, I, I hope it's just the start of like a lineage of many of these types of roles. I think it will be. I think we're like on the right path in that sense. So that makes me really excited. And Stephanie... Shoe, I'm really excited for this like talent, like this this new name and like the the movie the movie world. Yeah. This is her first feature film, and you guys, when you see this, you're gonna be like, huh? This person hasn't been like a movie star for their whole life because she absolutely rocks it. And I think next up, you know what? A24, I feel is really good at um, bringing representation on screen. And I think next they need to do a movie about a queer femme presenting Indian girl um, who lives in Toronto and is just, you know, trying to figure out her dating life and is just looking for love. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely nothing like it out there. Um, does yeah. she happen to work in advertising? Yep, she does. The in the char the character in the movie that I've just made up, yeah. Okay, yeah, and uh, okay, and on the side she also podcasts. Yeah, she has a podcast with her lover. <laughs> Yo, if A twenty four ever is like, I need a queer Indian woman. Listen, I've been told that I have the potential to be an actor. <laughs> You do. I genuinely think you do. So if anyone listening is a director <laughs> or a screenwriter or, I don't know, movie producer, hit us up because Persis is made for the big screen. Yes, I'm made for the big screen. I'm humble. I'm very uh, kind to my yes. co-host. I let her have the floor. So kind. So compassionate. And get that South Asian queer representation out there. 
clap, clap, clap. It's what we talked about with Ali Patel on our episode. Like, listen, Mindy Kaling, you yeah. have so much influence. Yeah. All I want, if Mindy, if you're out there listening to Girl on Girl podcast, we love you so much. But mm-hmm. we want a queer South Asian Indian girl on your show. That's it. Like, that's the ask. <laughs> so that's it. Deliver, if you can, please. Mm-hmm. Um, By end of day. Should. By end of day, thank you. Because it's, you know, a little bit past due. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, Never Have I Ever will have many, many more seasons where where incredible queer characters can be introduced. Exactly. Right, Mindy? You yeah. hear us, girl? Come on now. Persis, are you going to go see this movie that we just talked about at the movie theater with some popcorn? Yes, because it's a Sarah recommendation. I'll go see it. Okay, good. Because I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's a wild ride. Ooh, I'm always in for a wild ride. I bet you are. I love you. And I won't be mad if you go to the movies with another girl. Well, I won't I'm, be mad. I better be going to the movies with another girl. That's not you. You're in Vancouver. I know, but I just figured maybe you'd wait for me. No. <laughs> I guess I didn't wait for you to see it. No. I ain't waiting for nobody. Because you're gone. Gone. Yeah. Gone. Baby, you're gone. gone. Baby girl, you're gone. Yeah. Yeah.